Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. Good to see you all here. And again, welcome to those who are joining us online. Glad you could make it. And for those who will be listening later, thankful that you listen. Uh, I never say this, but I always hear it when I hear podcasts. If you like the podcast, subscribe or give us a like. Um, That way it helps I don't know, it helps us be found, I guess, or something like that. So appreciate those things. If you do listen online uh, through whatever means, if you uh, give us a like or subscribe, it helps. Even on YouTube, if you subscribe to YouTube, it helps uh, us to be able to develop an ability to communicate with you more easily. You'll get notices, hit that notify thing. That's another thing they say. Anyway, we're grateful, grateful for those who support Genesis and allow us to keep doing the things that we're doing. Um, Before we get started, a couple things. Uh, It's again in the news uh, with what happened in Israel, and Netanyahu has basically said, uh, is that war? Um, War is never a good thing, and it's a complicated thing. I mean, I heard that thousands of missiles were launched into Israel. Over 450 people are uh, known to be dead, and I'm sure those numbers will change. There's even hostages now, and it's a heartbreaking thing. And I know that I was raised up to think that basically Israel was always right, and the Palestinians were always wrong, because those who bless, you know, Abraham will be blessed uh, but God only blesses those who are going to carry his heart. In other words, if if someone is not living in the character of God, is God going to bless that? A friend of mine is a missionary to the Palestinians, and her and her family are living there, and some of the things I hear coming from her are very different than the things I hear in the news. I'm not, I don't know enough. I'm not in the situation to say, oh, this is right, this is wrong. Violence is never a good thing. And innocent people being hurt is tragedy. And so we are heartbroken for that and do pray for a peaceful um, resolution quickly. Oh, there's so much we can go into there with war, isn't there? Um, but we're going to not go there right now. Let's pause, let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, when we hear of tragedy, when we hear of war, when we hear of people being hurt because of political reasons, because of things that are outside of their ability to control, Lord, it's heartbreaking. Lord, we think of the areas in this world, even in Ukraine and what's happening there, and Lord, this normalizing of violence and war as if it's something that is just 
we get used to it because it happens all the time. Lord, I pray that we would not get used to it, that it would still upset us and we would still desire to be peacemakers personally and we would hope even in a national way. But Lord, we do pray for the people who are affected by this violence, those who have lost loved ones, those who are in situations that are dire. Lord, may you bring about a resolution to peace and to help those who are in need. Lord, we ask that this morning as we are here to talk about you and try and understand a God who is bigger than our ability to understand, that you would inspire us, that you would ignite our imaginations and by your Holy Spirit would do a work within us that transforms us, not only in how we think about you or understand you, but how we live into that understanding. Thank you for this time, Lord. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thanks. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you stepping up doing that. Appreciate you helping me build this wall in the back. Appreciate you doing Unfiltered with me Thursday night. Appreciate you, man. Uh, something else came to mind just as I was starting. I got an email um, regarding Haiti about a certain city that has gotten tired of the gang violence, and so they basically gathered together and attacked the gang that was causing problems there, killing and hurting a lot of the people in the gangs uh, to try and regain control of their city. And it's just a reminder of how we, we don't live in a place that's clear how to move forward. Um, it, it's difficult sometimes, right? It's like we have to do this just so we can gain life for our children and ourselves so that we can buy things and we can do things. And, and this isn't the way you would want to see that take place is through more violence. Um, but it, it's happened and, and it's hopefully sparking the UN to step in and come and help. And so we want to be praying for Haiti that the UN would come in. I don't know if there's anything since I I saw that email that's changed, but it's awful when there is no justice for people, when they are under the control of those who have power and are wielding that power indiscriminately. And it's something that has happened throughout history. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, so if you want to turn on your Bibles uh, to Exodus chapter 3, except for you, John, you can open yours. Uh, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about trash and dead animals, earth, wind, and fire, learning to walk, and the word obfuscation. In Exodus chapter 3, let's start at verse 1. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. It says, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, 
the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning? A few months ago, we went through the book of Exodus, and we went through it quick. And my aim at that time was to try and understand how the book was compiled and the intended purpose for those who were going to be reading it or hearing it. And we talked even in this portion how father-in-law Jethro has different names. In the previous chapter, chapter 2, He's named Ruel. Some think it might be his surname. But then in the next chapter, they spell Jethro different, even though in our English translation, it's translated the same. And then in Numbers and in Judges, he has the name Hobab. And we talked about how there was the desire to maintain integrity of the oral traditions that were handed down. And it wasn't about making it something that was linear or didn't have conflict within itself, that the intention of those early writers was just to record or to put down what had been told to them. And even the mountain of God, Horeb, later will be called Mount Sinai. And so these things are happening, but there is a different way to stand back and look at these things. There's more than one way to see the scripture, not just in a way that here's the information about it, but to then allow the story that's being told to filter into our lives. And as we change perspectives and seeing what's happening, it, it changes our understanding as well. There's a couple of British artists, Tim Noble and Sue Webster. And you could show that picture, Gil. They use trash and dead animals to create art. Now, if you look at this from one direction, you will just see trash and dead animals. But once it's illuminated in the right perspective, you will see the shadow figure, and they have them of different things. And it's amazing because you would never have seen that until you stood in the right place, had the light in the right place, and all of a sudden now there's a figure and it makes sense. And I think that those are the kinds of things that can happen with us and the scripture, that we can look at something and then start inquiring about it and then receive something from it. Moses, who's the would-be leader of the nation Israel, is on the far side of the wilderness. In some translations, it says the backside of the desert. In other words, he is out in nowhere. This isn't somewhere that's really on the map. It doesn't even have a name. That's why they call it the backside of the desert or the far side of the wilderness, because it wasn't something prominent that was already given a name. And what's he doing there? He's hiding. He's a fugitive. He's wanted for murder back in Egypt, and so he's run away, and he's staying in this place laying low so that he won't be discovered, and I'm sure back then it was a lot easier than it is today, but he's just trying to live this life distant from 
the past so that he won't get in trouble. And it's now what's happening. It's not what's happening that catches Moses's attention. It's what isn't happening. And I think that's interesting. There's a bush burning, but that's not the interesting thing. The interesting thing is the bush is not being consumed. Much like Elijah in 1 Kings, when he was fleeing from Jezebel and he went into a cave and he was hiding, waiting to hear from God, and there was a great wind, but the voice of God wasn't in the wind. There was an earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. There was fire, but God wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the earth, the wind, or the fire. And that's not where earth, wind, and fire got their name, by the way. It's just a coincidence. But it says that it was in the still, small voice. As Thomas Keating wrote, silence is God's first language. Everything else is a poor translation. There are passages in scripture where God says that he's going to hide his face from them. Isn't God trying to reveal himself? Why would he hide his face? And sometimes God is not found in the abundance, but he's found in the absence. Why isn't something happening that should be happening? And it's enough to spark Moses' curiosity. And and, and it seems like it's the MO in scripture that the people who shouldn't be instrumental in the places that shouldn't be prominent become the places where something instrumental happens. Here, Moses on the far side of the desert. David, the youngest of the sons, a shepherd not someone who's of prominence. Even Jesus, born in poverty, comes from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, all these things are so obscure. Nothing's supposed to happen here. There there is nothing here that is significant, and yet that seems to be where something significant is going to happen. In verse 4, says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I love that what causes Moses to pursue God is inquiry. He's curious, and it's his curiosity that leads him to an encounter with God. It's what he doesn't know, but it is curious about that pushes him forward, right? This intense level of inquiry is what separates us from most of the animals. The ability to make fire. How can we do that? To use wind to be able to fly, 
to harness nuclear fission. Who thinks of these things? Someone who's curious, someone who wonders, I wonder what would happen if we did this. I wonder how we could fly like birds fly. I wonder how we could start fire instead of just lightning. I wonder how we could go underwater in submarines. Who named it that, right? I mean, someone had this idea and put it into play And it's that kind of curiosity that pushes forward. But inquiry has a cost. And sometimes that cost is what can keep us from pursuing. Would Moses have inquired if he knew what it would cost him down the line? Would we inquire more about God, about the life we're going to have if we knew the cost that was ahead of us. Would you keep doing something if you knew that you would fail 17 times an hour? Every hour you tried it, you would fail 17 times. Would you do it? We all did, learning to walk. They estimate that a child falls down 17 times an hour when they're learning to walk. That's why they make baby helmets now, right? I was watching my granddaughter, but I wasn't watching her well enough, and she fell and bumped her head on my watch. I was doing something else. But then I read this. It's like, hey, she does it 17 times anyway. I was just there for one of them. But you see, it's that desire to move faster, that desire to to do what the big people are doing. It is that, how can I play with those kids over there that pushes that baby to get up again and again and again. There is something that drives them to that. And it's that intense curiosity that is something that is within us that allows us to move from where we are to maybe where God is. That allows our world to not be confined by just the things we see or the things that we understand because then we have this imagination that can see things that aren't yet or inquire about things that we can't figure out instead of just saying, huh, there's a bush burning, but it's not being consumed. Don't see that every day and move on. You see, it's that curiosity that says, why isn't it? And I love that because it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, what would happen if Moses didn't go over to look? What if Moses just said, huh, and walked, kept doing what he's doing? It was that curiosity where God met him, that inquiry. Life is dangerous. Moses is cautioned not to come closer because the place is holy ground. Don't step into this without being aware that something more is happening here. And I wonder if around us, is holy ground and holy moments. But we don't take the time to take off our shoes. We don't take the time to recognize it. We don't take the time to understand something more is happening than just 
a conversation, just some interaction, just some transaction. Most of us have had things happen to us that awaken maybe the mystery of God to us, right? We see a sunset. You hear some music or see beautiful art and it just inspires you, breathes life into you. Witnessing a child being born or getting to meet your grandbabies, all these are amazing things that seem like holy moments that seem just rich and pregnant with the presence of God. But what about the times when it's empty, when I'm lonely? What about the times where there's pain? I wonder if those aren't holy spaces too. We just don't have eyes to see it. We don't have the ability to understand what's happening I found in my life and in many people that I know as well that it's in the darkness, in the loneliness, and in the pain that the Lord is seen as close. There's an awareness that comes only in those moments. And sometimes it's because I have this idea of what God is and what God does when things don't go that way, I'm disillusioned. But really what disillusioned is, it's I lost an illusion uh, that I had of God and, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe what I had was really idolatry. I put God into this frame of understanding and when God didn't meet that object I had, that understanding then I was disillusioned with it. But maybe God was never just that in the beginning. Maybe God was always more and I needed to be disillusioned so that I could have a better conception. Verse seven, the conversation continues. The Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their suffering And I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Ultimately, the encounter with God leads to an encounter with the very people that Moses was running away from. His encounter with God brought him back to a place where he was trying to avoid And for some reason, the the direction of the holy seems to move in the direction of people. In other words, the, the presence of God leading seems to always be leading us to more connection with people. Think of Jonah with the Ninevites wanting to flee. And God says, no, I want you to go be with these people who you hate. 
Think of, of Jesus saying, all power is given to me, heaven and earth. Now you go and make disciples of all nations. The great commission was to go into the world. And so a nation that was trying to keep themselves from the pollution of these other nations is now being directed, no, you need to go there. Why? Because that's where holiness goes. That's where the presence of God goes. It doesn't stay in the desert. It doesn't stay just there at a bush. It is moving towards people. It is moving towards what God cares about. And and maybe what John said is actually true. If you love God, you'll love your neighbor also. Maybe no one has seen God at any time, but when we love one another, God is seen. Maybe the holiness that we are desiring is only gonna be found in the space where we are connected. Maybe we need that connection to have the experience of the holy. It's so... Interesting to me that the presence of God and the ways of God aren't clear. And I know we say, oh no, it's this. We try to make it clear, but it really isn't. They asked Jesus, why do you teach them in parables? And he said, well, you understand, but for those, they don't understand. So seeing, they won't see. Hearing, they won't hear and they won't understand. It's like, why would you do something that people couldn't understand? What is happening that I don't recognize in those spaces where there is the unclear, where there is the the lack, where there's the void? And the word obfuscation, it means the hiding of intended meaning in communication making communication confusing, willfully ambiguous and harder to interpret. And I'm sorry if you don't see this, but I see God as this. He's ambiguous, unclear, provoking curiosity, using inquiry, to draw us in, using the lack to motivate us to find, recognizing that it is the lack of understanding that makes us want to know what is going on. And instead of developing a theology that is filled with all the right answers, Sometimes we just have to be pulled in by the things that we don't understand and question them. And you know what? You may never understand them. You may fall down 17 times an hour trying to figure them out. But without even knowing it, you're walking. Without even understanding it, you are moving closer to the holy. And I love that when he says, stay there, you're on holy ground, but then take your shoes off. 
Why do I take my shoes off because I'm on holy ground? Well, there was a, a thought that, well, the bottom of your soul, you know, is dirty, and so you don't want to have the dirt from other places on this place. But if I take my shoes off, I'm going to have the dirt on my feet again. And I almost think that the holiness is where there's an understanding that things are different, but then there's the removal of anything that's in between you and that which is different. I don't want anything in between you and me. I want your feet on the ground. I want you understanding that the place you're in is different. I want you to be aware because that kairos, that questioning, that curiosity happened to be where God met Moses. And I think oftentimes it's where he meets us. As uncomfortable as it may be and as difficult as it is to figure out, it isn't until we stop and listen to the silence and feel the weight of those moments that we recognize the presence of God. Let's pray. Father, I'm mindful again of the people who are in difficult situations, our loved ones who are sick or in pain, our friends who have lost loved ones, people we don't know who are suffering because of war and violence. All these areas bring question. Where are you? What are you doing? Why, God, do these things happen? Lord, maybe those questions are your way of pulling us into your presence. May we be aware that things are happening that we don't understand and maybe we don't fully see. May our imaginations be open to what you're doing in the places that we don't understand. May our disillusion be just part of our progress to sing more clearly. Thank you again for provoking question for placing in our lives bushes that don't burn, bringing us into a presence that we were unaware of, at places we didn't expect to find you, but you were there. Bless, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May you have a perspective that sees the question leading you, not away, but to God. May we understand that the holiness of God is found in community. No matter how many times we fall, may we keep walking towards the bush that burns. 
God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Take care. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.